0: What's up, nerds? I'm Aki, your host for this week's Bible Thump, and I want to thank Love That Nerd for providing me with the opportunity to share a little bit from a passage of scripture that the Lord has put on my heart to share with y'all this week. So today, I'm going to read from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the first 10 verses. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself. Except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord Now, I read that entire passage just to give context, but I really want to hone in on the latter half of this passage, verses 6 through 10. In verse 7, Paul talks about how he was given a a thorn in his flesh. What might that have looked like? When we think of thorns, traditionally, we we think of roses. But the original text, if if you look at the original Greek, it implies that it could be an object as large as a stake me impaled upon keep in mind that what was discussed in the first half of this passage he saw a man caught up to the third heaven a place that's beyond the earth's atmosphere so we're comparing a thorn to the third heaven this means it was causing paul some serious problems Traditionally, when we think of thorns in the flesh, a lot of times the scripture has been used to talk about different types of physical afflictions or, or maybe mental health problems. So, you know, it could be anxiety, it could be depression, it could be like for me, ADHD, or perhaps even a more physical limitation or disability. But we read in the latter half of that verse that it was a, a messenger from Satan to torment him. It's no surprise that Satan wanted to attack Paul. I mean, not that Satan knew at the time, but the man responsible for the bulk of the New Testament that we know today, as well as helping the early church to flourish greatly, was an obvious target for our greatest enemy. So Paul obviously faced much persecution as a result of his outspoken dedication to Christ and his church. Absolutely part of what I believe was a multifaceted thorn. Another aspect to the thorn in Paul's flesh was... Probably something similar to what we encounter on a daily basis. Temptation. Now, Paul speaks a lot about temptation. A whole bunch of ways to guard against it and combat it throughout his various letters to the early church. But I think what's here in this text is really, really powerful. If we go back to verses 8 through 10, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Too often in this life, we think that we can handle issues of our own accord or on our own strength. And Those of you who have followed our content creation journey at the, at the time that I'm recording this, you know, we haven't been live in, in a couple months at this point. I've been dealing with my own thorn in the flesh. One that it took me a really long time to acknowledge and cry out to the Lord for help on. And in the throes of disobedience and rebellion, I can tell you, we can we can talk to the lord we can give things to the lord we can say god listen i need i need you to to handle this i need you to come and help me with this i need i need your guidance i need your assistance i need your presence but in the throes of all of those things if we're not actually actively genuinely submitting our will to the lord it can be difficult if not impossible to hear from him and I mean, look at the Israelites in the Old Testament, right? Their disobedience got them lost in the wilderness, conquered, practically wiped out on multiple occasions. And through it all, the wonderful thing about this, through it all, God's promise to be faithful to his people and honor his covenant with Abraham was proven out time and time and time and time again. And eventually, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for me and for you so that we would only have to be obedient to his call to make him Lord of all. No more sacrifices because to obey is better than to sacrifice. So Paul was crying and pleading with the Lord. It says in this passage, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. It can be scary to be weak. It can be scary to be made to feel weak. It would be scary to lose control, to feel like we don't have authority or say in what happens in our life. I'm reminded of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was about to be crucified. He was so anxious that he was sweating blood. And he asked the Lord, if possible, to take the burden away, but not my will, but yours be done. So for me, in my season of... Disobedience and rebellion, and running from the Lord, and fighting to do life on on my terms. I can tell you that even through all of that, the Lord was still present. It took multiple days for me of being unable to sleep, unable to eat, until my half-hearted prayers gave way to a wholehearted cry to the Lord to save me, to free me. And it was in that moment where I was at my absolute weakest that the God of the universe who I had turned my back on, who I had been running from, opened his arms and welcomed me, spoke gently to me and guided me to where I needed to be. Safe in his arms, his grace is sufficient and will always be sufficient for me. So I'm in therapy. I'm on a healing journey now. And it's, it's not that the enemy has quit attacking, but it's that I know I can't fight it on my own. And so, I invite the Lord to fight with me on a daily basis. We talk about putting on the full armor of God. Paul talks about that later on in scripture. And there's so many other places where it's clear and obvious if we simply invite the Lord to help us fight our battles that he will fight on our behalf. I can tell you there are some things in this life that are going to come at you that you are not going to be able to fight on your own. You are not going to be capable of conquering your flesh and submitting to the spirit of the Lord. That's a wonderful, beautiful thing to be made aware of just how weak we really are and to acknowledge that weakness and to submit in that weakness. And it's, it's a tough thing to do because we all have pride. We all have ego. We all have things that we grapple, deal with, and struggle with. And invite the Lord to be with you, to fight for you, to help you love your family, to help me love my wife and my family in the way that he would have me do. God's grace is made perfect in moments of weakness. When we truly learn to lean on him and not ourself, he can do a mighty work. It wouldn't be an Aki recording without a technical difficulty. My other computer shut off. Anyway, so back to verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This past season has been one of great trial for my entire family, but I know without a doubt that Paul is right on the money here. We should all boast gladly about our weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on us. For when we are weak, Jesus will make us strong. And uh, as, I, as I close this out, I just want to share with you a song that has been sustaining me in this season. And if you haven't heard it, I hope you'll give it, give it a chance. Go give it a listen. Uh, it's really blessed and enriched my life, and I hope it will bless yours. But the uh, artist is, is Phil Wickham, and the song is called Living Hope. And the first verse goes like this. It says, how great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. And in desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. I'm going to pause right there and just share with you that when when I was at my weakest and when I, when I didn't know what to do, I literally would just repeat the name of Jesus over and 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 over again until he finally broke through. And he met me when I didn't know how to meet him. So the song continues. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. The God we serve is alive. He strongly desires a relationship with you. And if you are in a wilderness season, I hope that you will turn and love him with abandon. Surrender your thorns to Christ because he is strong enough to take all of them and demonstrate how his grace can be made perfect in your weakness. We love you. Thank you for listening. Have a good day.